Oh, because I, I forgot so, to mention one little thing. What a critical is it? piece, yeah. Yeah. If you cannot play a card to add to the end of your route, you scrap your route and start a new route. Oh, that's not that's not important. <laughs> no, thanks. That's perfect. Welcome to Which Game First. With thousands of board games produced every year, it's a daunting task to figure out which games you and your friends will love. So we hunt down three board games every show from all over the spectrum. Different styles, genres, themes, even eras. I'm your host, Celeste Angelus, here with my decades-long gaming buddies, Evan Bernstein. Hello. Ed Povolitis. Yo. And Mike Grenier. Howdy, partners. Did we find any hidden treasures you've been missing out on? Let's find out. First up this week, we ship Magnificent Beasts of the Animal Kingdom to place on display in Zularetto. Next up, we ship out our minions to battle to the death among our mighty towers in Cloudspire. And lastly, we ship the mail on hard-won Bavarian roots in Thern and Taxus. Okay, let's talk about Zularetto the Dice Game, designed by Michael Schott, published by Abba Kaspiel and Z-Man Games in 2012, number of players 2 to 4, ages 7 and up, Playtime, 15 minutes. Okay, Mike, tell us what's in the box. The cover of this box is simple. Just a sparkly green background and a proud lion soberly contemplating his horrible dice roll. (laughs) Inside the box, you'll find 10 dice, each with six symbols of crocodile, ostrich, monkey, elephant, lion, and coin. There's also a double-sided game board, a 100-page score pad, and a pencil. And that's what's in the box. <laughs> one pencil everyone must share. Yes, <laughs> one golf <laughs> pencil. That's it. Well, before we put this review on exhibit, Evan, tell us how it's played. In Zularetto the Dice Game, each player is their own zookeeper, whose goal is to make the best zoo in all of zoodom. <laughs> <laughs> now, how does one become the best zoo? By collecting the best group of animals, the ones that yield the most victory points, of course. The score sheet, which represents your zoo, has spaces for five types of animals. One crocodile, two ostriches, three monkeys, four elephants, and five lions. There are also spaces to collect coins and barns for animals that don't fit in the appropriate pens. Players go in turn, one at a time, and take one of two actions. Roll two dice, then assign each die to a transport cart on the game board. Or take all the dice in one transport cart and score them. The first player to fill the pen of a particular type of animal receives a bonus, but if a player takes more animals than they have room for, that means negative victory points. (laughs) (laughs) At the end of the game, the end of the game, the player with the highest score is deemed the greatest zookeeper in all of Zularetto and therefore the world. The greatest (laughs) zookeeper in all the land. It's a pretty straightforward game. Roll dice, put them in in transportation carts. Choose to collect the animals out of those carts when you need them and score them on your, in your zoo. Hot competition among zookeepers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know how heated <laughs> zookeepers can get. Come on. Yeah. It's our eat or be eaten world out there. <laughs> it's a lion eat lion world. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, yes, uh, Evan, this game is pretty simple. Uh, yeah. I mean, it doesn't really get too much more simpler than this. You pick up a dice, you roll them, and... Uh, no, make sets, and then uh, no. When you collect a set, you score them on your score pad and try to get the most points you can. 
But there are some limitations here. Okay, there's a total of 10 dice. And once the dice are rolled and they're placed into those carts, then you're only pulling two dice at a time from a pool of, say, eight, or maybe six dice, or maybe four dice. So there, so there are some limitations there. Also, I think it's key to know when to ro when to choose to roll to add animals to your carts as opposed to when to make the choice to take them out of the cart. That's really the key to this game. Now, that's a big decision there. And the other big decision is when you roll the dice, deciding where to place your animal. Because, like, I really want this animal, but I want to put it somewhere where no one else is going to want it. So I'm going to probably try to stick him where, with an animal that Mikey doesn't want. Oh yeah, right. If we're if we're trying to screw over Mikey, yep. and he needs lions, and I roll two lions, I may not want to put two lions in the same <laughs> cart. I might want to break up those lions into separate carts. Mm -hmm. That's right. Oh, I loved collecting those lions. Well, they're worth so much. Oh yeah. <laughs> we played this game on Yukata.de, mm -hmm. and it had a great layout there. But in real life, this game comes with dice that you roll with little cute pictures of the animals on it, and cool notepad style checkoff sheets with all of the animals on them so you get to tear off a sheet from a pad which i love mm -hmm. and mark it all up mm -hmm. i know celeste it had all the components you loved yet you weren't allowed to <laughs> use any of those components physically oh another important thing to note just about that what ed was talking about once you decide to take dice that round is over for you you just got to watch everybody else choose to roll and place and all that other stuff so when you choose to take that the dice is very important yeah, and if you're waiting for your cart, oh, I really want this cart to fill up with a monkey and also a crocodile. I'm going to wait. I'm going to just roll and I'll wait for next time. Well, what if Celeste comes along on her turn and decides to take the cart that I wanted? I lost out at that point. And you know she will. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. When that trucker cart finally, you know, is decent, if you don't take it, the next guy is going to take it. It's not one of those things where it's like, no, that guy's not going to take it because he's got a different strategy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially early in the game because you're you got a, a lot of stuff to fill up. Yeah, you, you kind of don't want to take a cart when there's only one thing in it. But if it's the one thing you need, maybe you should take it. You only need one or two of certain animals in order to be the first to fill that quota, essentially. And the bonus point can only go to one player. Mm -hmm. If I come along and I'm second filling up my crocodiles, that doesn't get me the bonus points because no. Mike already got it. Yeah, and I, I took the crocodile very early because there's only one space for crocodiles. Mm -hmm. And if you go over, you start getting negative points, and I was not having that. Ed, All right, so who... Point. Okay, so Evan oh, and... <laughs> so it's just me and you? No, it's me and Mikey. Just yeah, you and Mikey. Mikey. And right Sorry, now, so Mikey Mike... probably eyeballing that uh, monkey octopus. Yeah, because yeah. those are just two points for him. So if you want to throw a coin in there, too. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah. I appreciate it. that. <laughs> <laughs> but what's nice about the negative points is they end once you have a negative crocodile point you can never get a negative crocodile point again yes but you don't care anymore it's like i'll take that one with the crocodile i don't care of his teeth i want that monkey so ha. yeah but also there's a way to buy off the negative points which i was very interested in which was collecting those coin markers and and uh, building them up enough so that you can negate one of your negatives that you have on the board that was big part of my strategy and it helped mm -hmm. oh it really helped yeah. i had two i took away Definitely two negatives <laughs> yeah it was big
For as straightforward as the rules of the game are, I found that our play, I don't know if it's just us, but we took a while to finish this game because in order to end the game, you have to be the first player basically to fill up all but one type of believe of your animal. And that takes some doing because you could find yourself needing just one more set of animals or animal to fill and never get to it because the cart just isn't in your favor. So it can prolong the game. And I think we ran into a little bit of that prolonging. Yeah, I mean, anytime you have a game that's full of random dice rolls, you know, you don't necessarily see that lion that you need to finish off the lines for several rolls. Yeah, and it ta- it does take a long time because you only get to collect three things on a truck. Half of them you may not even need. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of boxes to tick. For elephants, you got to tick four boxes. For lions, five boxes. Mm-hmm. You know, so it does take time. Plus, with Ed stacking the carts in such a way that made it really painful to take them. <laughs> you're like, oh, <laughs> just avoiding it like the plague. Here's your two lions if you only take that extra crocodile to get negative points. Negate the whole character. The character is worthless to you. (laughs) And you said that with a smile. I could tell. You could tell. Yeah, he loves it. Ed was having a good time making those carts very unpalatable. (laughs) Yep. I I palated them, though, sometimes. He knew it would hurt, but he also knew there was almost no way I could turn it down, even as bad as he made it hurt. Oh, I love, too, that... uh, Ed loves to give Celeste advice sometimes, and it's really pretty good advice. <laughs> That's not true, Mike. <laughs> it was good. It was pretty good advice, I, I, honestly. But I think there's something stubborn in me that's like, okay, Ed gave Celeste good advice about what I should do on my next turn, and he's and darn it, he's right. <laughs> but I'm gonna be stubborn and do the thing that's gonna hurt me a little bit. You're gonna be contrarian, yeah. Just prove me wrong. I get it. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Ooh, that's a good strategy for Ed. Just just give him the right move and he won't do it. <laughs> Wait. What? Ooh, that's good to know. Just keep feeding Mikey the right choices. He knows me and Ed have been playing games together for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And he knows oh, yeah. just how to push my buttons that way. And uh Mikey knows how to speed things out of my loop too, because sometimes I'm building up to something and Mikey says, Oh nope, gotta end it. <laughs> gotta nip this in the bud. Okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury Zularetto the Dice Game. Evan. Zularetto the Dice Game was fun. I thought it had enough strategy to keep it interesting. And despite the game being just a bit too long, there's enough here for more zoo building in the future. Dig it up. Ed. This is a very easy game to pick up, and I had fun playing it. I would play it again with the crowd who would prefer to keep things light and casual. But for me, just a little bit too simple to put on my game shelf. So I'm going to bury it only for my collection. Mike? I started off with the idea that I don't love stuffing animals into cages for amusement and profit. (laughs) Mm. Um, There was some strategy here, but not really enough to hold my interest for too many more plays. So I'll just say bury it. This is a cute, colorful filler game. I would recommend getting the physical copy, though, because come on, notepads, dice rolling. Let's go. (laughs) But I enjoyed it a lot. Dig it up. If you have thoughts about Zularetto the Dice Game, come chat with us on Twitter and check out our fun playthrough on YouTube. Hello, listeners. We have been stuck in our houses for a while now, but instead of being bummed out, we've been hard at work bringing you all types of content. We just started our Witch Game First D&D campaigns on Roll20, so join us there. For all the details, go to our website or our Facebook page. And of course, we are 
still playing live games and trivia on Twitch every Thursday night. So come join us. And if you have friends who you think will love hanging out with us as much as you do, please tell them to go to Twitter, join us there, and retweet us. We'll see you there. Let's talk about the board game Cloudspire, designed by Josh J. Carlson, Adam Carlson, and Josh Vilgus. Published by Chip Theory Games in 2019. Number of players 1 to 4, ages 13 and up. Playtime 90 to 180 minutes. Hours. <laughs> All right, Mikey, tell us what's in the box. On the cover of Cloudspire is a tower and its foundation floating seemingly weightlessly above the fortifications below. Inside, you'll see lots of beautiful, heavy chips, 256 to be exact, representing upgrades, health, landmarks, markets, and source. There are also eight large neoprene aisles, eight small neoprene earthscapes, four neoprene fortress mats, a lot of neoprene in this game, I guess, right? Mm -hmm. 13 event dice. Six attack dice, five storage trays to hold all your stuff, 44 relic cards, a solo scenario book, a co-op scenario book, and a rule book. And that's what's in the box. Whew. Before we deploy this review, Evan, tell us how it's played. Cloudspire takes place in the floating realm of Ankar and tells the story of a war to acquire a powerful and rare energy known only as... The Source. The Source. It's all about the Source. Each player controls <laughs> one of four unique factions in a battle to destroy and steal Source energy from their opponents. Your faction will build armies, erect towers to protect your base, and explore with your heroes in search of resources and powerful relics to turn the tide of battle. As armies and minions approach opposing bases, they'll need to contend with spires. These are powerful defense towers that can be built around the board. Fight for control of build sites and acquire new spire schematics to build an impenetrable defense and hold off the enemy, you hope. <laughs> Upgrade your home base to unlock new strategies and abilities. Level up your heroes and lead your armies into battle with advanced and upgraded skills. For the one who controls Ankar, controls the source, and will be champion of Cloud Spire and the envy of clouds everywhere. <laughs> The envy of clouds, huh? Well, you know. Is that what it is? <laughs> when you have cloud in your name, you're the envy of that. Yeah. <laughs> well, we played this game in real life. Yeah. yeah. Evan's house. At a table. That was so and everything. And if you want to see all those beautiful components that Mikey was just talking about, check out our Instagram unboxing. Oh, boy, oh, boy. Was there a lot of stuff in this box. Ed, how much does this box weigh? What do you think? Um, it weighs enough to break your back. That's what it weighs. <laughs> that, that's we, we've lugged this thing all the way from um, Pax Unplugged in Philadelphia, and it was um, it was it, it weighed down the car. I think I spent probably uh, an extra ten uh, gallons of gas getting it home. Yeah, and you had to have the rear rear axle inspected too when you. <laughs> <laughs> right. We were overweight on yeah. a couple of bridges. We had to pull over. <laughs> <laughs> it's because of those hefty chips that they have in there. I mean, the game's company is called Chip Theory, and for good reason. Poker chips, real clay poker chips. I love, love those. are some of my all-time favorite components for these games. They're the kind of chips with pictures right on the chips to represent the 
faction or character or minion that the chip is for. So easy to maneuver. And it has all their statistics on that chip as well. Yeah, those are your pawns, but they have all the cool info on there. If this game existed on digital play, you'd be missing out on a lot. (laughs) I mean, you wouldn't have the scent of fresh neoprene. Die cut. No, for little spaces for your chip and your dice to put in there. Beautiful. There's spaces that are cut out to place your dice into. Keeps everything from sliding around. Oh, yeah. This is the only company I know of that has dared to put like this much neoprene into a box. <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah. so much cooler than cardboard in a lot of ways. Yeah, I come to expect it now from now ship theory games. Their productive values are off the chart, which is one of the reasons you can only buy their game from them. You got to go directly to them. It's not on Amazon or yep. in stores. Is it? Are they in stores? They're not in stores. Wow. You can only get it at Chip Theory Games. That is interesting. Very bold. Ed, can you expand on that? What is the thinking behind that? Well, the game is so expensive to ship and produce that in order to keep the, the cost down to the consumers, they cut out the middlemen, as it were. Normally, if they go through store distribution, I mean, you have to produce the game, and then none of the cost there, and then you have to ship it to distributors, and they take a cut, and then the distributors ship it to the game stores and they take a cut so by the time you <laughs> right. have all those taking a cut on it now this would have been probably a 400 dollars game but instead <laughs> they, they're selling it for yeah. like i think it's 120 bucks if i remember correctly mm-hmm. they also do on kickstarter yeah it sets yourself apart too from the competitors yeah if you can manage it i mean it's hard they have to i'm sure get like word of mouth out there and it's not just readily available for like mm-hmm. impulse purchases Exactly. It makes marketing it a a much bigger challenge. Mm -hmm. But I guess that's the benefit of having it out on Kickstarter first so that at least they're covered in their original production. Yep. I mean, 120 might sound like a lot, but this game, I feel like the parts inside it are worth the the cost of admission. Absolutely. You know exactly where the money went Mm -hmm. in this game. There's no two ways about it. Now let's talk about play. Is it worth playing (laughs) enough times to get $120 (laughs) out of it? It doesn't just have a pretty face. This is a war game, folks. Yeah, it's actually a specific type of war game, right, Ed? Yes, it, it mimics what's called a, a MOBA or multiplayer online battle arena. You might have played games like League of Legends back in the day where that was all the rage for a while before Fortnite. And if you're like me, like MOBAs are a little too fast for my taste. So this is nice that it breaks it down to kind of more a turn-based version of a MOBA. Yeah, and this really simulates a lot of aspects of that particular type of game. For example, you control your heroes exploring the land, but your minions are mindlessly marching towards your opponent. The minions are moving mindlessly, and one of the things that kind of annoyed me about that was that you have ranged minions that are in range to shoot somebody, but they have one singular goal is to get to the base that you're pointing them at. So sometimes they would move into melee range, even though they could have gotten an attack in. That was kind of frustrating. At certain points, it seemed a little ambiguous as to the quote-unquote shortest path or most <laughs> direct path mm-hmm. to, your, to the opponent's citadel that they're, that they're heading for. Um, because there are certain rules and things about how certain units can move. Not everything can go over every hex. Mm-hmm. And uh, in some cases, it's... It looks like it's supposed to be going one way, but in actuality, it winds up going another way. You got to be real careful about that. The main rule for the movement there is that you got to end up closer if you can. And you can count that different ways, then you have a choice. But if there's only one way you can go to get closer, 
you must go that way. As a minion, not as a hero. And let's talk about that. Not only does each team have heroes and minions, each also have their own rules for everything, for movement, for combat, for special abilities. And that's where the complexity of this game comes in. Play is simple. It's a combat game. You get out there and you fight. And that's it. It's toughest guys win. But the complexity comes in preparing your battle. Celeste, you had one of the most complex factions uh, out there. I thought yours was the hardest to play. Right. I played a faction called the Heirs. The four factions are the Bronwyn, which are, you know, combat heavy. Brawny. That was (laughs) The Grove Tenders, which are druid-likes. So they're actually able to take, you know, stuff from the land and so forth. The Heirs, which I played... Um, which is kind of, I guess, a pun or maybe a play on words. <laughs> they're up in the air and that they're like a bird race, but it's actually spelled H-E-I-R-S because they think they are due to inherit the source. Mm-hmm. And then, Mike, you play the Narara. Oh, yeah. The Narara were your typical like religious zealots <laughs> that are worshiping the source. I feel like each faction is almost like you're playing a separate game because they have such a tight strategy around you know, what their main abilities are. For your first game, just worry about your own faction, not what everybody else is doing. I know that's not great strategy per se. Don't worry about it too much because there's enough to understand just learning your faction combo is, I think, the, the main thing you should try to do with your first game. Not worry about what other people's fa- no, special abilities are. Yeah, there's plenty to learn right within your own faction. Like for me, I saw that my faction was uh, cheap to resurrect them, which people can't usually do much resurrection of their characters. Mm-hmm. They can teleport if they upgrade correctly, so they can just pop onto the board in different places. Some of them are like almost like suicide bombers where they just go and blow up and do all kinds of bad stuff. And they also <laughs> can possess people. So they weren't strong on their own, but knowing that they're weak but can do massive damage throughout the board and come back and do it again, I had to build my strategy around knowing those things. The nice part about learning the factions, though, is they do have really helpful reference sheets. So you get a reference card which has all of your faction's abilities on it. The complexity was there, but it was actually nice because I felt like I always had some option that would work. That's nice. Like, no, see, being able to look at your options like, hey, I want to try this one out. And then being able to later say, you know what, maybe next time I'll try this other thing. Seeing them all laid out together like that is nice to, to see what the synergies are going to be between your different kinds of units. This game does a fun thing in how it mounts the minions. You actually stack the chips one on top of the other so that the enemy cannot see what the minions are down lower in your stacks. They get revealed as you fight. You're allowed to ask what you built, but not necessarily... uh... There it is. Oh, okay. So I can ask what's in that stack, but I can't say what's on top, middle, bottom. Right, what's coming next. Ah, I gotcha. Yeah. Oh, man. Celeste's guys were scary. She (laughs) basically moved out onto the board and started putting towers, and then those towers would just create little, like, bomber birds that could fly out from there and every turn it would just keep pumping them out i likened it a little bit to D mm. where every character in D kind of has their own rule set mm. you know if you're a wizard you play very differently than a fighter does so mm. you get used to a different set of criteria for making your actions work another way to quickly get into the game that uh, uh It'll help actually when you play together as a group too to first play it as a solo or a co-op game. This way you can learn your faction while you're solving a puzzle. 
Because I have a scenario where you can say, I'm going to pick this faction and play against this in a very AI scripted way. And now you're looking, hmm, what abilities do I want to use to overcome these enemies? And it comes to like a puzzle and you get to learn the combo of your faction as you play this solo adventure. Oh, like a tutorial puzzle. I like that. Yeah. I liked playing teams first. That was a good idea because it gave us a chance to discuss and cross-check powers. Yeah. Like you had somebody to talk to next to you saying, hey, do you think this power works this way? Kind of fun too, like combining different factions together sort of as a team because you can see synergies between the factions too. Now I have a question, guys. Is this game supposed to take place in the clouds? Well, it's supposed to take place on the floating islands of space that have the source. Because he who <laughs> controls the source controls the universe. <laughs> right. Yeah. Floating islands, look at it that way. Yeah, that's kind of what those pieces are that you put on the board. Those little kind of hex combo pieces are supposed to be like to create like a flying island. Flyland. A flyland. <laughs> so they call it Cloud Spire for a reason, because the spires in this game are really powerful and important to each of the factions. And one of the strengths of them is that you can add upgrades to them. And instead of, you know, you can do six damage to a tower, but all it does, if it's in one attack, it just knocks off one of your, like, tower special abilities. Damn towers, damn spires. They are tough. So it makes it much like a tower defense game in that way. When you build up these spires, they're defending yourself and plus. There are places that are neutral on the board that can be aspired to your adventure and explore and hopefully get some treasure. Oh, I loved that. I love the little tiny exploration piece of this game. And it's a pretty small piece, but I had a lot of fun with it. Because it's like, oh, do I want to flip that? The <laughs> chips are all down, face down. So mm -hmm. when you go to explore something, you have no idea what's on that chip. And you're like, oh, gosh, it could be an enemy that's too tough. Or it could be a guy I could recruit. Yeah. So you just don't know. Now you have another no. toy. Do you want to look at this? Yes. Uh, Are they all bad? No, no they're not all I bad. Oh, come on! <laughs> <laughs> oh, my terrible. Beat down Boulevard. Beat down Do Boulevard. Do I have to reveal it? Mm. Yes. Yeah, you hope it's something you can just peek in on, and if it's way too powerful or bad for you, you can just turn around and go the other way and it won't notice you and those things are all directly from mobas you know what i mean that there's some mm -hmm. mobas out there that use that kind of a mechanic to them so i thought that was a good uh call out the heroes are what brings a lot of the, the excitement in the game because you control the heroes fully it's not like the minions are doing their thing your heroes are going out there you can explore with them you can level up and get new powers with them you get xp and treasure from exploring stuff or you can help your minions out in the battle your choice. And you have the choice to back up and shoot, which was essential for me. <laughs> okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury Cloud Spire. Ed? This is my kind of game. I just love the look and feel of it. I enjoyed delving into the different faction abilities and the combos that feel powerful. Like, wow, this is broken. I'll dig this up for another battle among the clouds. Evan? Well, Cloud Spire is a strategy game involving programming, resource management, and deck building, or in this case, disc building, or chip building. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a delicate balance of your offensive powers versus your defensive capabilities. Uh, it's a long game. Be prepared for that. It's all good. Dig it up. Mike? Cloud Spire has a ton of different strategies and combos to try. It was beautiful, and it was deep, so I have to dig this up. Cloudspire is one of those rare, very long games that I enjoy. 
It is not as complex as everyone thinks. The rules of the factions are more rich than complicated. And play is surprisingly simple and exciting. Dig it up. If you have thoughts about Cloudspire, come chat with us on Twitter and check out our unboxing on Instagram. Let's talk about the game Thern and Taxis. Designed by Andrea Seyfarth and Karen Seyfarth. Published by Hansim Gluck and Rio Grande Games in 2006. Number of players 2 to 4, ages 10 and up. Playtime 60 minutes. Okay, Mike, tell us what's in the box. The cover of Thern and Taxis has a classic Eurogame look. From the yellow horse and carriage plowing its way through the cobblestone streets to the Tudor-style houses, you know just when and where you are. Inside, there's a game board, 80 wooden houses, 4 principal firm cards, 20 carriage cards, 66 cards for building routes, 30 bonus tiles, and 4 turn summary cards. And that's what's in the box. Well, before we call all aboard on this review, <laughs> Evan, tell us how it's played. In Thern and Taxis, players build post office routes across Bavaria and the regions around, collecting bonus points in various ways. Players build postal routes between adjacent cities. Each route must consist of at least three cities, and players may only build one route at a time. So on a turn, a player will draw a card from a display of six or one from the top of the deck. They will add one card to their route, and if the route is at least three cities, the players may then score it. Where the player may place post offices in the cities, they can collect bonus tiles and acquire higher value carriages. So optionally, the player may receive support from one postal official. When a player exhausts their supply of post offices or acquires a value seven carriage, the end of the game is triggered. Players score points for the highest valued carriage and bonus tiles, but they lose points for unplaced post offices. The player with the most points wins and becomes the Postmaster General of Bavaria <laughs> and the envy of Postmasters everywhere. That's all I've ever wanted. <laughs> <laughs> well, we played this game on yukata.de, and you can see our playthrough on YouTube. Uh, the look of this game is very... Um... <laughs> Uh, classic? Classic Euro. (laughs) (laughs) Very classic Euro. Yep, that's it. Yes, cities being connected by routes. I mean, it's Euro. No obnoxious colors, no like in-your-face artwork. (laughs) Yeah, the colors are all very pastel colored regions. On a sepia tone map. The four officials there are all standing ready to help you out in a (laughs) nice portrait on the board. When I saw this board, I was immediately reminded of the game Risk. Not because, you know, Risk has some pretty, you know, bold and straightforward colors and stuff, not for those features, but because the regions each are color coded uh, and have a point value according to the regions that have the most towns and cities. So if you can effectively, quote unquote, conquer any one of those regions, you're going to get a bunch of bonus points. So in that respect, it reminded me of Risk. Right. That makes sense. That makes sense. So what did we think of the tempo of this game? Well, the, the tempo is surprisingly driven by the players. I think we are all playing fairly careful, trying to all do the same thing in the sense of everyone trying to get their longest route possible and then putting their post routes out there. But there are a couple of clocks in the game. One is how fast you get all the carriages. So if somebody's just 
completing routes as fast as they possible, they can end the game pretty quickly. The other clock is just putting all your pieces on the board. Yeah, if, you, if you're making your routes too short, though, you're going to miss out on some of those bonus points that, that are centered around stuff like having a route that's six pieces long, having a route that includes multiple colors, etc. But don't make your routes too long either, because then you're just stuck playing uh, on and on and on while everybody else is collecting carriages and routes. I think the maximum length of a route that you would actually score bonus points for was six or seven, right, Celeste? Mm-hmm, seven. I try to make the super epically long route just because uh, <laughs> you have two choices of where you can put a house. Once you close a route. Yeah, once you close it, right? And um, you can either put houses on all of the same color ones in that route, or you can put one house in each color that you have along that route. And I tried, I did like a 10 length route that had five colors in it. <laughs> wow, because you were trying to place five post offices in one play? Well, what I was trying to do was place one on every single one for my epic turn, but uh, <laughs> it didn't quite get there. <laughs> the interface on Yukata was, as usual, not very forgiving. Oh, so yeah. this game, I know, would have been easier to play in person. Sure. For several reasons. One, because you can see the carriage track much easier. So you can keep track of what's happening with collection of carriages, which was difficult to see. And also when you make a mistake, you can go back. I was really stuck in making some very obvious mistakes that I wouldn't have made. It's just that I pressed the wrong button in Yukata and was stuck out. For once, uh, one thing was placing houses. Be careful because I accidentally just finished my turn without placing any houses, which of course Mm -hmm. nobody would ever do. Right. It's like not right. it's not a thing that it's not a mistake that anybody would ever make. Yeah. But because of the way the buttons were arranged in Yukata, it just happened. So be careful of that if you're testing this game out on Yukata. Um also I just think manipulating the cards and everything would have been more fun in person. I agree. I uh this is a classic girl boy game and I got introduced to the game from my friend Harold. And we played this game as a short wind down game after a game of eighteen XX, so <laughs> oh my gosh. You played this after 18X. <laughs> yep. Now, are you referring to Harold the WBC assassin? Uh yes. No. World, okay, what's WBC? The, the World, World Board, Game Board Gaming Championship. We haven't talked Which, about them in a long time, probably because mm-hmm. the con didn't yeah. happen this year. COVID this year, baby. That yeah. takes place in Germany, right? <laughs> it probably does have they probably do have one in Germany, but it actually takes place in what, Connecticut or something, right? It, Pennsylvania, right? In Pennsylvania, the hinterlands. Oh, right, Pennsylvania, yeah. That's wow. Right. In the yeah. hinterlands of Pennsylvania, yeah. many eighteen XX enthusiasts get together for yeah. ten days. <laughs> ten day convention in oh person. Why? Yes, love it. <laughs> so, so Harold was happy to to show me the game and and take me down in it. It was pretty good. <laughs> It's an honor. <laughs> All right. Can I just say something? Uh, when we play these games on um, Twitch and then, you know, we show, you can see it on YouTube afterward, um, which is where you can see this game. We get to pick one of the games each week. One of us picks a game mm-hmm. and Ed picked this game. And up until the day we played, because he sends it out on a text. Oh, this is the game we'll be playing this week. Up until the day we played the game, I thought he had made a typo. And the name of the game was actually Turn and Taxis. And I thought it was going to be a taxi racing game. (laughs) 
Oh, right. Like who can pick up the most fares in the city and get yeah, back to the Yeah, something like that. Base. Instead of third in taxes. I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Celeste comes up with trivia games for our uh, our Thursday night game. And she had prepared a bunch of like taxi cab I totally uh, trivia. Did. <laughs> <laughs> and then I had to scramble for post office trivia. I'm glad we talked about it ahead of time, Celeste, because you were ready to rumble with that too. Totally. Well, come on. Turn and taxis is a great name for like a tough route that you'd have to go with taxis sure sure so i know that mike felt blocked by evan and ed a lot in this game i mean that's just par for the course for me like every time i'm like okay just that piece right there doesn't really look like anybody else needs it so i'll wait on it just so i can grab it when i need it and then play it and of course i just wait one turn too long and either ed or evan is just snatching up the exact piece i need every time now some of that might have had to do with your strategy of going for the epic you know, 15 city route or whatever <laughs> yeah. it is you were doing. <laughs> which, which, by the way, would not have really helped me to win this game. I just wanted to see if I could pull it off. <laughs> it was a bad strategy. Do not do that in this game. <laughs> uh, also, I think I was the one that blocked you the hardest because you decided to start your game in a corner uh, piece, a corner location, which only had one route out. A lot of these cities yes. have multiple routes out. But you started, great. and then I took the one city that you could move to. Uh-huh. Before. Oh, blocked right off the start. Yeah. Oh, that's when I learned the lesson about how that actually works. I didn't realize that if I didn't place a piece, I would have to start over again and just strip it from the board. So tempted to take this Pilsen just to block Mikey from being. You could. Oh yeah, that. you can block people all. I over mean, the sure, you could start do. right off the bat by poking me <laughs> yeah. in the eye when I'm already behind. I but mean, Mike, you want to know weird. some more rules now that you've. Some- <laughs> yeah, I know. Once I'm Celeste does that, it's like, oh, you forfeit the game if somebody blocks and- your route. And Celeste taught me a harsh lesson in turn <laughs> one. <laughs> it didn't help me at all. Yeah, that is a hard way to learn that rule of. Um, <laughs> Now, if you can't play a card, you have to scrap your root and learn all over again. I felt that karma came back to bite Celeste, though, because later oh on, the God. exact same thing happened to her on a three-length a three length route that she could have closed but didn't want to. I couldn't get any headway in this game. <laughs> I was completely crushed. Between not knowing how to manipulate the buttons on Yukata and just silly mistakes. Yeah, it's rough. You can find yourself with one play, basically. Oh, my gosh, I don't have the right town. I have to draw from the top of the deck and hope that it's a town I can use. And that's I know I ran across that at least once or twice. Um, I think I only had to muck one of my routes according during the game. There is a little bit of push your luck in this game in that way, in a sense. Absolutely. I was like, oh, I could claim my route now. It's long (laughs) enough. But I want it to be just one more longer. And I think, I mean, there's going to be six cards available in the display. I'll be able to get something to help me out, right? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and the longer your route is at the time, the more possible connections you have. So it makes you want to keep pressing your luck more and more. Okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury Thurn and Texas. Mike? The amount of luck of the draw was pretty annoying to me. And even when I did get lucky, (laughs) it just wasn't very exciting. So I'm going to bury it. Evan? Thurn and Taxis felt like I was playing against myself more than my opponents, which is not really what I like in a game-playing experience. It's not a bad game. It's just not my stein of beer. I'll bury it. Ed? I enjoyed the route planning and the set collection of this classic Euro game. I'll dig this up to deliver mail to Pilsner again. Don't mind if I stop for a drink. I enjoyed the simple structure of this game. It's a better intro to the world of route building than Ticket to Ride. Dig it up. 
If you have thoughts about Thurnin Taxes, come chat with us on Twitter and check out our playthrough on YouTube. And that brings us to the end of our show. We look forward to hearing about all the game exploring you're doing. Please reach out to us on Twitter. And we have an exclusive podcast for our patrons only. If you would like access to our patron-only podcast, bonus points, bonus points, bonus points. Just go to our website and click on Become a Supporter Today. And you can get all those episodes. If you get a chance, leave us a like, a rating, a review anywhere and share us. Please share us with your friends. Join our chat on our Discord server. We are at Which Came First on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Happy gaming, explorers. Guten Abend. He who controlled the source controlled the universe. The source of